Before we get into another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to Jude 3 Project at P.O. Box 26206, Jacksonville, Florida, 32226. Thanks again. Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project. for watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And today I'm very excited because um, we're doing something new here at Jew 3 Project. This is going to be the first conversation of many called Culture Convos. And um, this one is going to be on artificial intelligence. Um, And I'm very, very excited about it. This is something that I really wasn't thinking through. um, But Darren actually sent me an article um, that made me think about this. Um, And he was like, what do you think about it? And I was like, oh, man, this is very interesting. It actually blew my mind. And that's what we're going to talk about today is talking about artificial intelligence and God can basically I think the premise of it is can the robot be God like Mm. Um, and so uh, we have, and I was like, man, we should have a conversation about this. And I asked my uh, my friend Carson at RZIM, who I know is also passionate about this topic, uh, to weigh in on it with uh, Darren for today's talk. So welcome, guys. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you so much. Yeah, delighted to be here. Uh, the Jude 3 podcast is incredible and love listening to it. I uh, don't know if I'll enjoy listening to this episode, but I love what you're doing, Lisa. It's an amazing <laughs> A resource you're providing for the church. Yeah, most people don't like to hear themselves uh, on playback. So. It's so weird. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, well, Darren's been on here. Uh, he was on our first uh, series, um, The Odyssey of Hip Hop, way back when we first started it a couple years ago. So Darren's no stranger to the G3 Project. Um, for those who don't know who you are who haven't went that far back, um, let just give us a little introduction, Darren. Hi, my name is Darren. Um, full name, Darren Lamar Jones. I work as an associate pastor at a church in Queens called the Greater Allen Amy Cathedral of New York. I also work as a college administrator uh, with the State University of New York. And I am someone that is very passionate about faith, about education. I'm, getting, I'm developing a passion for finance, and I just really want to create um, really um, sustainable communities that are rooted in faith and um, disciplined living. Awesome. Awesome. And Carson, um, for those who don't know, you give them a little bit of background. 
Yeah, uh, I'm married with uh, two amazing kids. We're living here in Atlanta. We worship at, we're members of Fellowship Bible Church, and really happy to have Dr. Crawford Loritz as our pastor. Um, I work at RZIM, uh, but to clarify, I'm not a speaker for the ministry. Uh, I serve as innovator, online community uh, here at RZIM. Outside of work, I'm chair of the board for Creating Jobs, a nonprofit that helps entrepreneurs uh, grow companies and create jobs and help communities thrive. And I've contributed to three books, uh, True Reason, Everyday Questions, and Start Book. And would love to connect with people on Twitter at Reasons for God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, today we're going to be talking about the article, like I said, that Darren sent me. Um, <clears throat> Darren, for those who don't, uh, who probably aren't familiar with artificial intelligence, why did this article strike you so much? Give us just a little bit of background about the article. So the article struck me, I found it absolutely perfect, is it is literally the the darkest imaginations of Terminator and Matrix. <laughs> um, essentially, the article speaks about um, a, 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 a gentleman in Silicon Valley who has created a church or created a religious institution that is literally, literally recognized by the um, IRS as a religious institution called The Way of the Future. And this church is designed to herald an age where human beings accept the reality that there is an artificial intelligence that is omniscient and omnipresent and thereby should be worshiped as God. Um, and when I read the article, it was scary for two reasons. One, it was scary because far-fetched that AI could get to the level where it, it would be omniscient through cameras, through uh, phones through receivers and also omniscient through having access to all known information that's ever been recorded via the internet. So omniscience and omnipresence as it's, as it's most basically defined is not far-fetched to be acquired by AI. So what do you do? Robot intelligence that is sentient, but that is not organic, that has access to all information. And that has, has access, that has live to all conversation, activity, movement. Um, and this particular person's rationale is since this thing will ultimately lord over us, come to a place where we accept it, where, where we accept its lording. And thereby we, should, we have to prepare humans not to rebel or not to resist it, but we have to prepare humans to accept um, a godlike singularity, um, and so that's kind of that's kind of the article in in, in um, a nutshell. Even though even though it's definitely an amazing reading, everyone should read it on their own. But it really comes down to the question of first of all, how do we define God? Um, secondly, how do we deal with an entity that has two? very, 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 uh, very, very pronounced God-like qualities that make that may and probably will come into existence within the next century. Um, and third of all, what do people of faith or what game plan will people of faith create to hopefully dissuade um, nations and, and, and scientists from creating such a thing, but um, also to help us to understand how to relate to this thing that is not our God. That is not Christ. That is that is not um, a that is not able to create planets and stars and lightning and 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 life, but that is still very much omniscient and omnipresent. 
Mm. Wow, that's intense. <laughs> what are your it's, thoughts? It's, on it's Terminator. It's <laughs> yeah, it's like I Robot, Terminator, all the movies come uh, yeah. together. Uh, you know, Darren, I'm glad you uh, brought this article to Lisa's attention, and we're having a conversation about it because the church really <laughs> needs to engage with technology and see the um, challenges this brings to our communities and, um, you know, the moral vision that we have for human flourishing. And there are apologetic questions, there are evangelistic questions. And I think the church is really well prepared to engage in this conversation because, you know, I think like you and most people come across way of the future and the singularity and singularity university. One of the first responses that I know I had was fear. And I really think the, the tradition we come from and, and the scriptures are really important here just to ground us spiritually that, you know, the people of God have always been afraid of disaster on the horizon. You know, Pharaoh is coming and then the Red Sea parts. Right. Coming. You know, Rome is coming. Uh, Jesus is crucified. And yet God has always triumphed and uh, has always led his people through. And uh, so, I, you know, we really need to have a hopeful heart in this conversation that, Whatever disaster seems to be on the horizon, ultimately God saves the day. And we can have hope that because God is God, there's really nothing to fear. And that doesn't keep us from, you know, being engaged in this conversation and um, creating pressure for the future to be one where humans flourish. But I really think we have to speak a voice of hope into the culture as they confront these kinds of ideas. What what would be your thoughts to that, Darren? Do you think that it could be uh, 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 a robot can really be um, omnipresent. I think that um, uh, omnipresence through visual and audio access to every camera in the world and omniscience through online access to every piece of data that has been compiled electronically by humanity would make this thing omniscient and, om and omnipresent. It, 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 would, it would make it omniscient and omnipresent to the point of all that humanity uh, to the point of human omniscience and omnipresence mind you it would not it would not have the same level of omnipotence and omnipresence as god does for instance because god thinks and god conceives and god perceives on a level um that we cannot but as far as human perception goes this thing would have access to all of it in perpetuity Mm -hmm. um, I definitely agree with Carson that there should be a, 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 a feeling and, an, and a perception of hope, given the fact that God always does prevail and that God always does offer um, huge and, and, and salvation in the day of trouble. Um, I think that while we have a perspective of inevitable victory and, and, and of inevitable hope in all things, that as Carson also said, that we should definitely not be on the sidelines and that we should not be laissez-faire um, because um, a lot of bleeding and a lot of torment and a lot of hardship can happen um, how the inevitability of God's victory to cause us not to be engaged in being used by God um, as instruments for that victory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We want to be engaged in this because we want to love our neighbor. And, you know, this is something that uh, if it is possible and if it happens would have, you know, enormous ramifications for every area of society, for the economy, for politics, for war, uh, 
for all of those. I mean, just it, it's extremely disruptive to think about this kind of thing becoming a reality. And you know, but you know, there's questions. I mean, for instance, uh, maybe there'll be a hundred of them, and they'll all be doing battle with each other <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> cheering for the good one, the one that loves humans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's uh, there's other situations. I mean, maybe uh, the the AI uses that information to improve human flourishing mm. and it's, it, it makes it convenient. It knows you're about to go out of your house. And so the self-driving car pulls up and off you go to your destination there, you know, there could be benefits to these things as well. And so certainly we ought to be on guard against and vigilant against um, the darkest and worst scenarios that are possible. Uh, but also, I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could play out and, uh, some of them could play out in ways that enhance human flourishing and, and aren't, um, you know, Terminator. <laughs> that's true. That's that's very true. I've always been kind of a worst case scenario kind of guy, just to be prepared. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that the, I think that scary thing about this singularity and about something that is man-made having omniscience and um, and um, omnipresence is that is, is is human frailty and human imperfection. That that the, the the designers and the creators of this thing will probably unconsciously, but will probably inherently include their own biases, their own um, imperfections, their own frailties, and their own sin into this. That would that what that would not allow it to be the benevolent, loving, um, spirit um, um, omniscient, um, omnipresent God that we serve. And rather be a a a a, a self-serving, um, um, more so dictatorial, omniscient, um, omnipresent other. Um, I I I think one of the one of the most amazing things about God is God's restraint mm. and, and God's patience. That 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 God loves us and, and puts up with us and, and blesses us in spite of. The, the many times, the many ways that we disobey or that we go left as opposed to right. But I think that if you have something man-made that has the ability to compel the will of its subjects to do what it wants and it's omniscient, omnipresent, I don't see it being particularly um, accommodating or particularly um, considerate of what it may perceive as being lesser beings. I mean, how do, how do humans treat dogs? Yeah. How do humans treat cats? How do humans treat that 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 requ that require and that deserve yes. respect, um, and 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 consideration, but that we see as being lesser than us, right? You know, we we put you know we 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 put tigers and 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 and, and lions in zoos. We we feed them, but we but we we <laughs> we, but we control their habitats. You no, know? and 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 in terms of wildlife, you know, we encroach upon their environments. We 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 have safaris that kind of roam through and look at them. I, I and I and I might be, it might sound facetious, but if the next stage of of sentient evolution is this AI, and we are to it as lions and bears or ants are to us, how will we treat it? How will it treat us? How will it treat us rather? And I think that's really scary to think. I think that the benevolence of God and the restraint of God and the 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 co-laboring that God chooses to do with us, even though we are so much lower than He is, is is a truly divine trait that is that would be absent something that could easily compel its will. 
Yeah, I think those are really terrific points about the character of God and his patience with us. And uh, also some, some suspicion about the motivations of the people involved in this activity. I, you know, reading the article uh, in Wired about Anthony Lewandowski and just doing some research on him, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this. So first off, uh, he's clearly a really intelligent, ambitious, hardworking guy. Right. Uh, and he does things that amaze us. And we, we always pay attention to people who do amazing things like self-driving cars. And then uh, he talks about how he wants to be the richest person in the world uh, because, you know, anything that was this smart would make its owners rich. Um, he talks about his desire for power and control. He says, I would love for the machine to see us, uh, the way of the future, elders, as its beloved elders that it respects and takes care of. So here he is saying he wants to be the elder that creates God so God will take care of him. Right. And then there's a lot of questions about his ethics. Um, you know, in one text he sent uh, his former boss, he said, we're going to take over the world one robot at a time. Uh, one of his engineer friends said it was like he wanted to be able to control the world and robots were the way to do that. Um, in his corporate filing for Way of the Future, two of the elders said they, they weren't part of this. So he just right. misrepresented their involvement. And then um, Google's filed a lawsuit, lawsuit against Uber Right. For eleven dollars trade secrets, and then his nanny has filed a lawsuit against him. And who knows if her allegations are true? But she says he wouldn't even pay her on time. And this is a guy worth millions of dollars not paying his nanny on time. Uh, right. So what kind of AI is this guy going to create? It's scary, Carson. Like it's scary. Like you know, like it's right. like you know, it's like it, this is not the guy you want to make an AI. Like this is not. This is right. this is like, totally, totally. Um, and 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 I'm I'm no one to judge. I mean, we all have failings and we all have frailties. Sure. But I'm not trying to make an, an omniscient, um, omnipresent, <laughs> um, um, singularity. You know. Um, yeah. So so I think that if, if we if 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 this AI that has the ability to be omnipotent, um, omnipresent, and omniscient should take the character the character of its creator, you know, I, I think we'd, we'd really be up the creek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So here's my question. I was, I was, oh, go ahead, Carson. Well, so I, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, this guy's not someone I want to like, you know, <laughs> sell me a car, much less make an AI. Um, but so I was thinking about Acts 8. And in Acts 8, verse 9, we read, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. I just wonder if Anthony you know, Lewandowski were to encounter the supernatural reality of the church and the power of the Holy Spirit, if he wouldn't say, as great as AI is, the Holy Spirit is way more powerful and awesome. And just the fact that, as you were saying, there's hope for everybody. We're sinners, too. We have our feelings and frailties. I mean, I wonder if, if Lewandowski is a modern-day Simon the Magician. Wow. Yeah, that's um. cool. I want I wanted to interject something. Um I don't want to uh but there's a point that um that you made Darren when you're talking about him creating stuff and this is something that um me and Carson talked about and a point he brought out to me 
um, was uh, social injustice. And since algorithms are working on broken systems that are already present, how would AI perpetuate that injustice? Um, it's something that I think is as we deal uh, are working with systemic injustices right right now, is right. AI going to make things worse and things like this making things worse for people on the margins? That's a lot. Um, <laughs> um, that so was Car so I don't want to steal Carson's thought. That was Carson's thought. He brought it to me, and I was like, "Oh man, I never thought about that." But uh, I, I, I think your questions might be a little easier, Lisa. I think that this will be very disruptive economically. I think you have you. you I don't think you have to do any more, but look at the way that um, automated cashier machines are eliminating jobs and targets and wall and Dwayne Reeves and Walgreens across the country, right? That, that there are literally fewer people being hired as cashiers because I can get a machine to do it and not have to pay health insurance or benefits or, or, or childcare. Um, the way that automation has really decimated the, the, um, the, a lot of the industry warehouse jobs that used to, that sort of the backbone of American economy. Um, the way that the, the disenfranchisement of coworkers kind of led to Trump's election. Um, because they really felt that they were being left behind in the economy. I think that um, I think that something of this nature <laughs> has the ability to not only expand um, of um, racism, sexism, what have you, but to really, really, really be just unpinning of our economy um, and and really unpinning of just people being able to work and have jobs and have employment and, pay, and provide for their families. Um, and I, I think that that is a very, very, very important consequence that could come of this, um, being, be, being and existing, um, like, you know, like, so, so what happens when you have a machine that can think for you and that can, that can analyze and experience complex circumstances and come out with a better response than, you know, a council of elders or a legal or a collection of lawyers or a collection of doctors can. I mean, will we need doctors anymore? Will we, will we need lawyers anymore? Will this AI choose who can, who, who has a high probability of living, probably, probably dying, who does, who's not medicine that will be used in trying to repair? I think that's really, really scary. And I think that those kind of, those kind of considerations need a human heart behind them. Um, so I think that, that this thing, given, <laughs> given, given who is currently creating it, um, and given the fact that any human would create it, definitely has the ability to be very, very, um, it, it definitely has the ability to, to exacerbate the current negative aspects of reality that we see. Um, to Carson's question, um, I, I, I believe that there's no one that the, God, that the grace of God cannot touch and cannot transform and cannot save. And I think that uh, Andrew, um, Andrew could easily become um, a, a, a redeemed Simon the Magician. Um, it's, it's definitely possible. And, and, and I, I would definitely be praying for that. Uh, but I wouldn't want anyone making an AI. I wouldn't want anyone, regardless of their level of um, of how do I even articulate this? I wouldn't want anyone at any level of maturity in the spirit 
to make a singularity or an artificial intelligence that is omniscient and omnipresent because the 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 the, the danger is too high the the the, the, the risk is too, is too great. Um, and if this thing becomes self-aware, which, which, which it would be by definition of being um, omniscient, omnipresent AI, um, and, it, and, it, and it began to conceive its own um, philosophies, thoughts, questions, ideas, and it decides that humans are too wasteful or that the way in which we, re and the way in which we re reproduce is inefficient, or that our carbon emissions are too much, or that our stockpiles of nuclear weapons are dangerous, or that our food is improperly, are improperly dispersed, or that our resources aren't properly used, and it chooses to forcefully do something about it outside of our, outside of our, 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 our um, at the very least, consideration, it, the, the risks are just entirely too high. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on that, Darren. And I mean, I do think that in terms of, you know, a computer program that is uh, a surveillance state uh, with that kind of knowledge and power that, you know, no democratically elected people uh, or governed people are going to want that to happen. And there will be an enormous political pressure to make sure that legislation is passed that happening and would have, you know, significant punitive consequences. And, you know, there may be things that are beyond our control, but I, I don't see in a democratic context uh, there being any political support for that. And we really need our political leaders to speak up and, and clarify the ethical boundaries of these programs. But at the same time, you know, just looking at it in terms of where the technology is today, and I, I haven't bought an Alexa because I'm concerned about the privacy of that, but, you know, millions of people are buying Alexas that listens to every conversation in their home so that they want Amazon to know all the videos they've watched, all the household supplies they buy, all the books they read, how much they read of them, what their voice sounds like. What I mean, they you know, people are, are paying Amazon uh, and giving up their personal information to Amazon because they want a more convenient life. Mm. And, and so, you know, there's some kind of... Um, I think we have to have a really discrete analysis of each technology in particular, and maybe we don't want the singularity, but uh, with sufficient privacy safeguards, we do want Alexa, or right. we do want Siri. Right. And so, but what, you know, like, I don't know a lot of people who, if, you know, just coming up to somebody and saying, hey, man, do you mind if I um, have access to your entire search history? Right. And a lot of people would be like, no, I'm not going to share my search history with you. Well, you've shared it with Google. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, I mean, we are already giving away so much information to uh, Facebook, to Google, to Amazon, uh, to Microsoft. And, and in a lot of ways, people are okay with the trade-off because uh, of the benefits it's giving them. And, you know, there's, there's critiques of that. But I, I, we have to, I think we need to look at each one and say, well, how much information do you want Facebook to have? And let's look at that question in particular. How much, question, how much do you want Alexa to know? Let's look at that in particular. And, and that's really where the state of technology is today, even as maybe we say, hey, the singularity, there's something wrong with that much power and knowledge being concentrated. We need to set up some guardrails on that one. I definitely agree. I definitely think that we really have to ask ourselves, does privacy even really exist anymore? Yeah. You know, because before I even got on, I'm, I'm doing this um, 
from from my phone because I'm still in my office at work. Um, before I got on this on this um, hangout, I saw a, a, a screen that said, you know, you can do this, but you know, this will be this will be live. Everyone will see it. You won't you won't own anything that you say. We can use it and become millionaires. It is exactly, <laughs> you know, um, Lisa's gonna you know, on this podcast. And I, and I pressed the button to come on, but I was thinking, man, if I said something really smart here, I don't have any, I don't have any recourse of like, you know, um, suing Lisa if she uses it for a book or anything like that. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but it, 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 you're, you're, you're absolutely right, Carson. I mean, you're absolutely right. I definitely think that we need to really have a conversation as society about um, privacy and of, of, and of, and of having, um, less of our present selves broadcast and, 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 and storehoused and, and not even just for our own vanity, but really so that we can have the, the, the ability to grow in grace. You know, mm-hmm. I think that one thing that our, our predecessors were really blessed in is that their mistakes at 20 years old or their mistakes when they were just three years old in the faith were not storehoused and broadcast to the entire world to be the last image that we had of them going forward in perpetuity. Um, and I think that we, 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 we just have this, this, this vanity and this desire to be seen, this desire to be um, um, glorified even, this, this, this really sinful vanity that is really causing us not to realize that there's a reason for privacy. There's a divine, there's, there, there, is, there is a Holy Spirit reason for privacy, and that is the ability to grow in grace without having your mistakes um, be your identity um, continually. Um, well, I, 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 have, I you know, um, Andy Crouch and others, uh, I think are really leading in terms of talking about how, you know, a lot of the, uh, the church, at least in my tradition, has always talked about uh, guilt and forgiveness, which is a beautiful promise of the gospel that though our sins are many, <laughs> we can be forgiven. Right. But the, you know, one of the reasons the church has to be engaged in this conversation is in a world of social media and so little privacy, as you've just so, I think, perfectly described, uh, another facet of our human experience is honor and shame. Mm-hmm. And part of, you know, the garden was Adam and Eve realizing they were naked and ashamed and so God covered them with garments that gave them back some honor and an experience of dignity and self-respect. And, and that's a foretaste, right, of how Christ uh, takes our shame as well and gives us garments of righteousness so we can have honor. And we get the honor of being part of God's family as his beloved sons and daughters. And now we honor each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and, and, and celebrate the, that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places together. And that's the basis of our unity and our love for one another. Right. And, you know, as a pastor, I think you, you know firsthand that when people are experiencing that kind of honor in the church, that is a buffer against, you know, are you being honored or shamed in social media today? Right. Because if right. you've got some really, Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely agree. I think that that definitely is essential. Um, I think, because I think that, the positive reinforcement and the community that people receive in, in Christian community allows them not to seek that elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it allows them to understand positive affirmation as it, in contrast to um, vain self-aggrandizing uh, 
um, adulation, if you will. Uh, I don't know if I, if I even said that correctly, but I, I, I think that that whole, this whole culture of, of desiring to be seen, desiring to be praised and, and sacrificing our privacy and our ability to grow and, 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 and silence and our, and our ability to grow in the wilderness um, for it kind of leads to this, 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 this familiarity and this comfort with sacrificing autonomy and sacrificing privacy and sacrificing um, reclusion for a path that, that leads to an AI that leads to a singularity, you know, I mean, I, and, and I just can't believe that, you know, there is just such comfort with the prospect of this happening. I think half of it has to, I think a portion of it has to do with the idea that this is so far away, that people that are really talking about this are just far-fetched and they're conspiracy theorists. I think a, a part of it has to do with the, 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 the profit that has to come from those that are going to design it. Um, but I also think that a part of it comes from just our comfort and our and our and our lethargy as it relates to really understanding that we should have the reins and the responsibility of being in charge of our society and being in charge of progression, ideally to the glory of Christ, and not hand that over. <laughs> you know that we should be doing the hard work, that that we should be the the tillers of the garden that God made us to be. Um, and I think that that's, that's what's particularly scaring to me. Like I sent this article to about eight different people mm. and only three replied to me, all three being black women. So shout out to black women um, <laughs> um, that really took it seriously. Right. You know, and everyone else kind of like just shirked it off as, you know, just this like, you know, ranting of this sci-fi world that's so far, that's so far out there that it's, that it's impossible to come into existence. And um, I think that the lack of alarm that bit by someone with a, a, a that points to maybe some, def some defects in character is, 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 a, is, is scary to me. I mean, I, Bill, Bill Gates has spoken out against this and saying that this is a bad idea. Elon Musk has spoken, on, spoken out against this and said that it's a bad idea. But we, we're, we're hearing nothing from the church. And if there's any people that should know and that should desire to speak against false gods um, and idol gods, it should be us. You know, mm -hmm. it, it should be us saying, no, we do not want to create bail. You know, <laughs> we do not want to create... Um, um Ashira, you know, we 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 want to stop and want to um curtail the omniscience and the, and the omnipotence of any sentient being, let alone a computer program or an algorithm that someone's making up. Mm -hmm. Do, do y'all think that it the church may be silent on it? Because a lot of people don't speak on things they they can't really fully grasp. So the people that are <laughs> Are kind of our 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 leaders in the church haven't taken the time to research it, so they won't don't want to speak on it. Um, do you think that's the case? Is it more of I don't want to come from a place of ignorance, or it's just not taking it seriously at all? I I, I don't think it's that, and this might sound really facetious, but I hear pastors talking about something they don't know that they don't understand all the time. <laughs> Sure. Um, so, um, I don't. I don't think that it's a lack of. I don't think it's 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 timidity. 
I think it's just a lack of. I don't. I don't think people think this. Is, I don't even think that people know this issue, ex- issue exists in the in the in the in the church contemporarily. I don't think they are avoiding. It. I don't think that they know that they should be even even in even um even what's the word tuned into it. I mean, um, I I've, I haven't I haven't seen any theologies regarding AI, any 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 literature regarding the intersection between theology and AI. I haven't heard of any any sessions at, at um, AAR or at SBL discussing discussing a, um, AI. Um, I, I haven't seen anything at all regarding this topic. But I think there really is just um, I don't know that this this can have very strong bearing on the course of human history and a very, very, very strong impact on their congregations and their societies. I think people just, just don't know. Um, and I think that if they did know, and if they did really realize um, that this is a big deal, and this has the potential to be an, ex- this has the potential to be uh, uh, a, tra- a trajectory changing point in human history really would say wow i don't know enough a lot about it about it but let me get my congregation at least talking about it so that they can begin to um speak on it um you know it's it's, it's really funny you know um I, I read an article one time in seminary about about the advent of television and how when television first came into being the church kind of shunned it and they kind of they didn't really realize that it would be revolutionary so um the majority of television programs were um, not of not originally created or thought of by the church. They were created and thought of by other people. Um, Christian mindset or a Christian view in mind, and the church really lost the opportunity to kind of to kind of guide that discussion on what television should be and what the the what the uh, the the person control should be because they didn't think it would be that that pertinent. Um, and that's a very very small example of what I think is happening here. <clears throat> Um, that 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 and 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 not really addressing that there is on chance that in the next hundred years that there will be a sentient non-organic consciousness that will have access to every image broadcast produced or transmitted through a receiver or through a video camera that will simultaneously have access to every encyclopedia online. And that will be thinking and creating its own will that it will be able to exact. That's scary. Um, and, I, and I believe that we, we, have, we should have hope and that we should ultimately be, be, be very sure in our salvation through the Lord Christ. But I also think that we are given responsibilities to care for our neighbor. We are given responsibilities to 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 act and to be used by God in that salvation, and I think that we that we sh- we just can't afford to drop the ball on this. We, we can't have economists and 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 scientists and tech guys and politicians being the only one discussing a potential um, omniscient, omnipresent singularity. Yeah. You have something, Carson, you want to add to that? Well, um, 
No, and just Lisa, I would commend you and, and Darren for getting this conversation started on the Jew3 podcast and love the willingness to host these conversations. And this is going to go out to a wide audience and uh, have people talking about it and maybe give a, a sermon on it and, and awaken people with influence to address these issues. So here we are loving our neighbors and trying to get the church engaged on this. You know, I think it's um, uh, partly because it's so new that these things have been talked about. And I think the other thing is Silicon Valley has a reputation for hype and saying this is going to be the best thing ever. And then, you know, the self-driving car doesn't drive anywhere, whatever. You know, it's got problems with snow, snow or, you know, and so people are kind of skeptical of hype. Uh, and then I think the other factor is I think we all just have trouble preparing for black swan events. I mean, nobody was ready for the stock market crash. Right. Uh, and, and it's just hard to prepare yourself for disaster. Uh, people are trying to pay their mortgage, you know, help their kids read, uh, right. you know, get a promotion. Right. And, so, you know, when you're talking about those things as a pastor, uh, helping a marriage stay together, and, you know, it's hard in the, in the marriage counseling session. And by the way, the singularity is coming. You know, you don't want to throw that bomb in there. <laughs> so, you know, um, y'all are going to need each other in the future. <laughs> um, so I, I just think it's a lot of it's just basic human nature is we're on autopilot and we've got a lot of things going on. And and so, you know, we, we need um, parts of the church to really lead in this area and be a moral voice and a prophetic voice. Um, but, you know, everyone's not going to be able to focus on this. And uh, but at the same time, we should be uh, educating people and uh, making sure that people are aware of some of the risks uh, so they can call their legislator and say, make sure you you propose a bill. You need to have someone working on this in Congress. Right. And yeah. uh, and so I think we can have leadership on this. But, you know, realistically, I don't see most pastors talking about singularity um, just because they're not sure how if that's going to preach. Um, but, you know, uh, right. the, the way of the future religion, I mean, it's such a, a bleak religion. I mean, basically, he, Anthony's saying that all of history before the singularity is, you know, ants. Uh, right. So everything we're doing today doesn't matter. Then second, he's saying, you know, the future, it's inevitable the singularity comes. So what should the meaning of our lives be? We should be hastening the singularity's approach. If it's going to come, get on the train. Get on the bus. Make this happen. You're wasting your time in Antville if you're not part of creating this future. And that shapes his ethics that he's willing to cut any corners and, you know, pay his nanny late, apparently, because, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, for the revolution. And so his ethics have been skewed by this quest for power and money. And But then the destiny of it all is, is really craven and fearful. There's this idea that the, this AI god is going to be most benevolent to the elders who helped usher it into existence. Mm -hmm. And that's a ridiculous idea. I mean, maybe the AI God, if such a thing is possible, and I have questions about that, but let's say it's possible just for, for conversation. Um, maybe the AI God looks at the deans of the way of the future and the acolytes who sacrificed their children in the fire to bring about the AI God. And the AI God says, fearful, craven, and unethical people in society, you're the first to go. And it looks at the, the pastors who are making sure people have food to eat and, you know, mortgages are getting paid and helping out the sick and establishing hospitals and looking at, you know, teachers educating children and parents loving their kids and, uh, you know, folks caring for the sick. And the AI God says, these are the people, you know, we need more of. 
and it gives them a big pay boost and says, we're going to create some, some paycheck equity for the people who help out. I mean, we just don't know what the ethics of this AI God's going to be. And to capitulate in fear to say, I'm going to cut all ethical corners so the AI God likes me. Maybe the AI God thinks that's stupid. And, and, and Lewandowski is the first to go. I mean, I just think it's a really bad selling proposition as a religion. And as a prophet, he, he needs a PR agency because the, the religious message he has right now is depressing and fear-based. And I don't see why anybody would want his dream to come. Become, it sounds like a nightmare, right, as we talk about it. Right. I, I definitely agree. I think that the beauty of Christianity is that Christianity is all about reconciliation and community. And this sounds like self-preservation. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to echo you, Lisa, um, for really doing something like this. I, I mean, I really, really, really think with all my heart that um, Jude 3 um, is making what's typically been the, the, the neglected stepchild of the faith, which is really apo like apologetics and really thinking through what we believe so that we can engage in discussion. Cool. Um, and I think that's so needed. I think that, you know, we, we really have a world that's not crying necessarily for uh, spiritually entertained, but that's really, really, really seeking sincere questions to help them figure out whether or not this man named Jesus is for them. And I think that you're really doing that. Um, and, and um, But yeah, I mean, I, I really sincerely think that Jude 3 is, is really going to be the the thing that helps Christianity to reach people that would have never come to church and that, that really aren't looking for a great choir or poop or uh, a, a great dance, but that are really looking for answers and really looking, looking for well-reasoned, biblically-based answers about Jesus. So thank you so much for doing this and letting let, let the Lord lead you to do this. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate y'all um, thinking through this. Uh, because I think this is something that the church really needs to think through uh, because I feel like the church is constantly being caught off guard by things and we're behind. And the, one of the reasons that I was thinking about when you're talking about the church being behind on AI, it's like, how many church websites do I go to that the website is like archaic? It's like 1980s. Um, <laughs> and like, we, they just are behind. Part of that is because of funding and not have access to resources. Um, so it's I'm thankful that y'all have taken the time to really think through this and kind of speak to this because people need, need your thoughts on this because they haven't thought about it themselves. So I know that as they listen to this, they're going to be stimulated and pastors that, that follow G3 are going to think, man, this is something I, I need to pay attention to. Well, and I mean, really, again, I, I want to just agree with Darren. I mean, all his words are true, and Jude 3 is an amazing resource. I love listening to it. Yeah, it helps my day get off to a great start or helps me go home in a good mood. So I'm, I'm really grateful for Jude 3. And, you know, really, because you reach pastors, I'm so glad Darren was on the, the podcast today because not only the church's theology of hope and of love for our neighbor and the ethics we bring into human flourishing and the courage we get from our faith in God. I mean, that's a huge uh, gift we offer to our culture in the AI conversation. Uh, but the other thing is the church is, you know, one of those institutions in America where people are still connecting with each other in person, face to face, right. Right. giving each other a hug, you know, helping pay the bills, 
um, you know, doing studies together, meeting each other's homes for dinner, you know, doing service projects, engaging in the community. And, and, and that togetherness that the church offers, because we are one in Christ, because we're brothers and sisters in the faith, you know, some of these things even become partially true. The economic disruption that AI is going to have to trucking, to cashiers, to, you know, lawyers, to accountants, to so many fields, those people will benefit if they're in churches with a, a strong diaconate. Right. <laughs> Very true. They can get some help from the church to transition to new uh, economic opportunities and um, to have that buffer just to pray with them and the counseling resources of the church to help them in that dislocation and disruption of their lives through technology. Uh, there's so many ways in which because the church is a community and it's got an ethic and a theology of community and of, of loving our neighbor going through hard times, that I think is going to be a hope for the world. You know, when the, the plague hit the Roman Empire and everybody was fleeing the city trying to escape and the churches rushed in and were helping out people who had the worst sickness that was highly contagious, that said to a lot of people, the church is hopeful. A plague comes and they rush into the hurt and the sick and the wounded to bring healing and comfort. And, you know, if the new plague comes from technology in some ways, and benef- amazing benefits, right? That's why it comes, but also real, real cost to other people. And you see the church rushing into the unemployed uh, or others who are affected negatively by AI. And we're standing up for the rights of, of people in the justice system with how AI does sentencing. And we're, we're an ethical, moral voice on this question. I think this is going to be one of the ways the Holy Spirit shows signs and wonders and demonstrates the power of God and the people of God in this incredibly uh, innovative, but also disruptive period of human history. Yeah. And also a way we could, we could have training um, for people who, because new jobs are going to, they're going to lose jobs, but new jobs are going to be created. So creating coding um, camps at our churches and um, making sure that people are, are uh, equipped to, to get in the job market with things that they could, you don't necessarily have to go to college for, but you could get like a certificate of training, especially when it comes to coding and things of that nature would be really helpful. Something that churches could do to kind of prepare for this. What were you going to say, Darren? I, I was, I was definitely just going to agree with um, Carson regarding just how revolutionary the church is. Um, person, uh, hands-on, your, your phone's going out of here, I'm sorry. Maybe if there's no video, we'll get the audio. Maybe the audio will be cleaner without video. Yeah. Is, is it okay now? Can you yeah. see me now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to, just going to say that I, I always say that the two most revolutionary um, organizations institutions in in America are libraries and churches. The only two places where you can really go and be filled and be um, empowered without there being a firm uh, commercial um, responsibility on your part. Um, And I think that that really goes into how the church can be a refuge if, you know, the singularity turns into Skynet or into um, the Machine King from the Matrix. Um, that we really, really can't uh, overstate how important it is for churches to be places where people really, really meet and are really able to be social in a world that's becoming ever more increasingly digital. Mm-hmm. 
Well, well, this is, I, I don't, I don't, I wish we didn't have to end, but we're at, we're almost at our hour mark. And I want to give y'all a chance to kind of uh, highlight where people could find you on social media and a little bit about the work you're doing, because I know you're doing um, amazing work in New York and Carson is doing amazing work in Atlanta. So I want uh, the people to know the work you're doing. So I want to get give you a chance to highlight that in this closing time. And I really appreciate um, this conversation. Hopefully this will be the first of many conversations we'll have on uh, on AI. Uh, <laughs> maybe we could do one in person uh, sometime later in the year. I think would be really, really cool and maybe get some more uh, pastors and um, some uh, people from Silicon Valley uh, in the conversation. <laughs> so we could uh, start start uh, talking to them to kind of help um, change the way they're thinking about these things. Um, I'll let uh, Darren, you go first. Tell us about the work you're doing and where people can get in contact with you on social media. And plug awesome. Awesome. So um, once again, I'm working as an associate, the pastor of, of discipleship and Christian education at the Greater Allen Amy Cathedral of New York. Um, that church is located in Jamaica, Queens on Merrick Boulevard um, between 110 and 111. I'm also working as a, an, an administrator for the State University of New York, um, New York State's um, public education system. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, my name is Darren Lamar Jones, Darren spelled D-A-R-I-N, and also on Instagram at Darren Lamar Jones. And I would love to connect with anyone that has um, not just any, anything to say about um, um, AI and, and the faith, but also anyone just that, that is really just a, a brother or sister in Christ that's looking to um, um, really build uh, and, and, and strengthen and, 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 and fill. Awesome. Carson, what about you? Yeah, uh, well, again, Lisa, thanks for having me. And Darren, thanks for jumpstarting this conversation and for the stimulating conversation we've had. I'm just grateful to get to talk to you tonight. It's, it's a real privilege. Uh, everyone can find me on Twitter at Reasons for God and would love uh, for you to jump into a conversation with me on Twitter and uh, get connected to you there. So uh, Twitter at Reasons for God. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about today is the economic disruption of AI and jobs team just put together is called start book uh, launching young entrepreneurs you can find it on amazon and we really want to build a culture of entrepreneurship and help people know how to start businesses and so if that's of interest to you as you consider some of the economic changes that are going to be happening it's aimed mainly at uh, for, for people in honduras uh, but it's got i think a teenager in the united states or anyone with a passion for business would find it helpful so check out start book on amazon and let's create a, a culture of entrepreneurship Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I know that our, our viewers will enjoy this. Uh, once again, this is a G3 Project new series, Culture Convos, and we plan to do more of these. I'm just talking about things that are going to be um, impact, that's impactful in culture, things that the church needs to be thinking through. Uh, we want to make sure we talk about it here on the G3 Project with people Um that I have an interest in these things so they can bring, I know their passion will, will jumpstart your passion in these things as well. So thank you for tuning in. And this has been another G3 Project podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the G3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.g3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jude3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jude3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jude3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.